0: Hello everybody and welcome to Charts with Dan. Yes, I am a day later than usual because the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania embargo dropped yesterday morning when I usually release this show and then I was on a plane uh, yesterday as you're watching this earlier today as I'm taping this so I wasn't quite able to get charts done but I use that extra time efficiently because with all of the reviews for Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania that came out after that embargo drop I'm going to talk about its box office prospects as well as a full recap of the previous weekend at the box office and the sneak peek of what's to come so much to get to but before we do I want to thank my partner here on the show as always Carbon Health. I've talked about Carbon Health's locations, their app, the fact that they offer urgent care, flu testing, vaccinations, and everything else. But what people should be looking into as well is how they're expanding into primary care services, including Connected Health, which is the idea that health isn't just about our bodies, but also our minds. So Carbon Health is also coming connected with mental health specialists as well. If you're in Massachusetts, You'll be able to access Connected Care next month. And if you're in California, you can check those services out now. I'm happy, as always, to have Carbon Health on board because I believe in what they're doing, which is to help make healthcare as accessible as possible, as affordably as possible. So I wanna thank them, as always, for being such a great partner here on the show. And let's look at the previous weekend. I know we're almost closer to this upcoming weekend at the box office, but let's look at what happened last weekend. And we'll start with the box office top 10. At number one was Magic Mike's last Dance, which debuted with $8.3 million. That is a steep drop-off from both previous Magic Mike films, but WarnerMedia also only put Magic Mike in 1,500 theaters. The average wide release now nationwide is at over 3,000 theaters at this point, so this still seems to be some kind of a hybrid between the theatrical release and the streaming release. This movie was originally going to come out on HBO Max, then WarnerMedia sort of put it in theaters, but I'm not exactly sure why they're doing these half releases. They did the same thing with the remake of House Party. So a lower overall total for Magic Mike, but it did put up some impressive per-theater averages, which we'll look at in just a few minutes. In second place was Avatar The Way of Water, which actually goes up one spot from last week in its ninth week of release, a $7.2 million total. And then in number three, another film from James Cameron, Titanic, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary, even though that was last year, but I'm sure it didn't want to directly compete with the early opening weeks of Avatar The Way Of water. $6.7 million in third place. 80 for Brady's at number four, a steeper than expected drop off considering that it's an older skewing titles. 54.3%, that's usually what you see for a big blockbuster. A $5.8 million total, and some kudos from a lot of people because when you look at the poster for 80 for Brady, they actually put the names of the people on the poster in the order in which they appear on the posters. So the cast of 80 for Brady didn't get uh, what I like to call American hustled. It's been done so many other times, but it's so frustrating to see a poster where you have a lineup of actors and then a completely different lineup of their names on top. Good job. Kudos to the 80 for Brady poster designers there. At number five, staying in the top five by a very slim margin, is Puss in Boots The Last Wish in its eighth week of release, a 29.2% drop and a total of $5.579 million. And just behind is M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, which goes from the number one movie to out of the top five in one week flat. It had a 61.6% drop. And even though Knock at the Cabin is a movie that I enjoyed, the word of mouth was not strong for the movie. And you see a big drop in the second weekend. The only thing really, given that it didn't open huge and it had this big second week drop, that's keeping the conversation about it in any way positive is the limited budget. And M. Night Shyamalan's been working on a limited budget for a while now. That was a smart move on Knock at the Cabin because there's a big week two drop there. A man called Otto is at number seven in its seventh week, continuing a bit of a sleeper run at the box office. 38.7% drop for a $2.6 million total. Just behind is Missing, which stays at number eight in its fourth week, a 31.2% drop. At number nine is Megan in week six with another $2.4 million. And I'm actually a little bit concerned about Jason Blum because he posted a tweet uh, last week saying, oh, I went and saw Titanic and it really holds up. Uh, But then he also said, but if you haven't seen Megan yet, please see that first. I need it to get to $100 million domestic box office and have a way to go. And I'm a little worried about Jason Blum here because the Megan budget was very low and it has far exceeded the worldwide and domestic gross to be profitable. I'm kind of worried that he took the budget for like The Exorcist and went to Vegas on opening weekend and put it on the over for Megan and is now realizing that it might not get to $100 million because it's very interesting that he would take to Twitter and say, I need you to make my hit movie uh, more of a hit. We've we've really got to get over that $100 million domestically. I mean, are they selling it into some kind of a box office syndication? That was a very interesting tweet to see. Rounding out the top 10 is Plane in its fourth week with a 45.3% drop and a $1.2 million total. There is now a sequel in the works to Plane called Ship. Starring Mike Coulter. That is not a joke. That is a 100% real story. Mike Coulter will be getting his own spin-off of Plane called Ship, where he's on a cargo ship and they're, you know, in the water. Kind of like the movie Plane, just on a ship. The, the title really says it all. Looking at movies that dropped out of the top 10, we have three this week. Patan dropped out after two weeks in theaters, and then two limited release event movies that made it into the top 10 last week. BTS, yet to come in cinemas, and The Chosen, season three finale, both dropping out of the top 10 and making way for films, including Plane, which goes back into the top 10, but is probably going to drop out of the top 10. So it's one of those rare movies that gets back into a top 10 spot without a re-release or some kind of expansion, but is also going to drop out of the top 10 and twice, probably this upcoming weekend. This was the Super Bowl weekend this past weekend, and it was a huge viewership number for the Super Bowl, but it's never really been a big movie-going weekend. And when we look at the top five Super Bowl weekend openings, the biggest that we have is Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds, back in 2008. It opened to $31.1 million, and then the Channing Tatum Amanda Seyfried movie, Dear John, which actually dethroned Avatar back in 2010 with $30.4 million. Then we have the first Liam Neeson taken film, $24.7 $24.7 million back on January 30th, 2009. Chronicles, starring Michael B. Jordan, who's getting ready to suit up for Creed Three $22 million back in 2012. And then 2006 is when A Stranger Calls with the number five Super Bowl weekend debut, $21.6 million. No real commonality between any of these films. It's just kind of randomly some movie will come out that does all right on Super Bowl weekend. But that was certainly not a number that we saw this past weekend, a pretty dismal Super Bowl weekend at the box office, even with a movie like Magic Mike's Last Dance, which you think would be perfect for the Super Bowl and then going into the Valentine's Day weekend box office. Not a whole lot doing. When we look at the, what I call, road to recovery, we see the sharp decline. That dotted black line is this week's box office. And you see, basically, that it's much closer to the 2021-2022 average, when theaters were opened back up, than where we traditionally have been in the five years preceding the pandemic. So we're much closer to where we were than where we probably should be. Now, we're gonna see a big spike coming up. You see that poster there for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. It opens at the box office this weekend. So we're going to see a big jump up. How big will that jump be? That's something that I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes. But what is the mark for success when we talk about the month of February? If you want to start setting some records, if you want to get into the record book, well, let's look at the top five February openings at the domestic box office. Of course, the one by which all other movies are measured is Black Panther back five years ago. And here's a shameless plug. If you haven't seen it, I started a new feature called the Five Years Later Review, where I look back on a movie five years after it came out. My first film was Black Panther, but we are coming up on tomorrow, believe it or not, is the 5 year anniversary of the release of that film. It debuted to a 202 million dollar 3 day weekend. It was a Four-day holiday weekend, much like Quantumania is going to be opening this week. Deadpool, back in 2016, is at number two with 132.4 million. Fifty Shades of Grey had the record back in 2015, before being surpassed by Deadpool with 85.1 million. Then The Passion of the Christ, way back in 2004, at number four with 83.8 million, and The Lego Movie in 2014 was 69 million dollars. Again, not a whole lot of commonality. Well, I guess you have the comic book connection between number one and number two, but you have three R-rated movies, a PG-13 movie, an animated film. I guess you could say that Fifty Shades of Grey and The Passion of the Christ were both based on best-selling books, so, you know, there are some things that you can base this on, and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania obviously looking to break into that top five. And let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I've got a lot more to say about Avatar and the other things we've been tracking, but this is the big story, obviously, at the box office this weekend and in the movie news circle because the review embargo dropped yesterday morning, and it actually seems like, unless things turn around, that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will be only the second rotten movie on Rotten Tomatoes behind Eternals, which was released just a couple of years ago. And a lot of people have been wondering, is Marvel losing that magic? It's a question that I have brought up in a box office sense on this show a couple times before, but here now we're looking at probably not their desired result, especially because this is their big phase five kickoff, and yet we have a negative Rotten rating right now on Rotten Tomatoes. And for what I've been reading, it's not that people hate the movie, it's just that they're very in the middle as I was, except there are more people listing negative than there are people listing positive. And the big question is, will this affect the opening weekend of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at the box office? Well, let's look at a couple of case studies. It's a little hard to parse because the MCU is very weird, but one such case study that I'm looking at is what I call the Rise of Skywalker model. and We look at how Quantumania might open domestically. Tracking is reported at $95 million for the three-day weekend, $110 million for the four-day weekend, and the Rise of Skywalker model for me would be basically a 20% drop on what I call a poorly reviewed sequel. So we had The Last Jedi that came out, And then we had The Rise of Skywalker, which had very similar reviews to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And when all was said and done, The Rise of Skywalker had a 20% lower debut than the movie that directly preceded it in at least the continuity, which was The Last Jedi. So let's see where that might leave Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, although I'm not judging it against Ant-Man and the Wasp as its direct uh, precedent, even though that is the movie that comes before it in the Ant-Man franchise. I'm looking at it against Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because I think that they share a lot of commonalities. It is a quote-unquote solo or team-featured film, but it's also very directly tied into the overall mythology of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It has people that are questioning what's going to happen, uh, who you know, uh, what's Kang going to be like, so I think it's closer to Multiverse of Madness than Ant-Man and the Wasp. So if we look at a 20% drop on Ant-Man and the Wasp versus Multiverse of Madness, which opened to $187.4 million, that would put the debut of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at 140 million dollars. So that's if you look at it by that model. There's another model I put together called the pandemic average model Because you don't quite know how different things are gonna play in and you can't really judge this movie against Eternals Because even though Eternals is the only other one that's rotten. It is the first movie in a series You don't have the established characters It came out at a very interesting time for the box office as it was trying to recover and get doors Open again. So I don't think a direct comparison to Eternals would work But let's just say you averaged all all of the Marvel openings since 2021, that would give you an average of 136.4 million dollars. So you basically said, Well, you know, I'm gonna take the good with the bad. That would put Ant-Man at about 136.4, but I'm actually going a little bit lower, and there's a few different reasons why. First of all, I do think that the reviews matter. I think that there are going to be people that just don't go to the movie because they heard that it wasn't very good or they saw that the tomato meter was low, or whatever you want to say. Secondly, the market is very interesting right now in that we have the very short window and it's been established at this point between theaters and disney plus it's longer than it was but it's still a pretty short window and just anecdotally i've seen several people commenting on my review and others saying well you know what I'm not going to go see this one in the theater if it's not that great. I'll just wait a couple months and I'll watch it on Disney+. And then just my gut. I mean, I, I followed my gut on Avatar. I followed my gut on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And I did okay when I was trying to predict that box office. And my gut is not very bullish when it comes to Quantumania. I actually don't have a very high degree of confidence that it's going to have a fantastic box office opening. So this is my prediction. I'm predicting a $90 million three-day $105 million dollar four day because it's the President's Day weekend here uh, in the United States opening that would be the best opening of 2023. It'd be the third best opening in February, the 17th best MCU opening unadjusted for inflation, and then for Ant-Man at least, the franchise best opening domestically. I'll be the first to acknowledge that may be a little low. I may not be giving it enough credit, I may be putting too much stock into reviews or what I've seen people saying, but I think that there is a bit of a kind of wait-and-see approach with the MCU right now. There have been so many movies and shows over the last couple years, and critically, and I think audience reaction-wise, they haven't been on the biggest winning streak that they've ever had. You don't have that bulletproof image of Marvel anymore. I think that they are struggling, quite frankly, f- creatively, even though I haven't disliked. lot of what they've done I certainly haven't loved a lot of what they've done either so I'm going to be very conservative in my prediction on Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania and give it that 90 million dollar three-day 105 million dollar four-day opening it may very well open higher than that I'm going against the tracking and if people are enthusiastic about this film then it could go significantly above that but that's my prediction and I'm sticking to it. Before we move on, I wanna thank one of the sponsors for this week's video, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. It's hard to believe, but we are well into February and hopefully everybody is also making better choices, everything we said we were gonna do at the beginning of the year. AG1 is an easy and delicious choice when it comes to giving your body what it needs, I started taking it a couple years ago because I'm looking to support better gut health and an overall better me. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and so much more to help you start your day right. And it's really simple. I can either just put a scoop into a cup of water, or if I'm throwing together a breakfast shake, throwing some bananas, some chocolate milk, some AG1, whichever way I decide to try it, it is going to be a delicious way to start my day. And it helps to support not just my gut health, but my immune system, recovery, focus, and so much more more athletic greens the company also cares about the world they are a climate neutral certified company and for every purchase Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry right here in the U.S. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com Dan to take control over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's go back now and talk about a movie that is already a bona fide box office phenomenon, and now it's just a degree of how it stacks up against other films, and that is Avatar The Way of Water, which this past weekend saw itself caught by its predecessor when you look at grosses unadjusted for inflation. This is something we've been tracking for some time, and the longevity of 2009's Avatar as it played into 2010 was just too much to match up with Avatar The Way of Water because you see here the comparison, the day-to-day cumulative box office gross. For the way of water versus the original avatar and just this past weekend it looks like probably on friday last friday avatar the way of water was caught by its predecessor which means that it will not duplicate the 760 million dollar domestic gross of the first film it'll have to settle for its 600 million dollar plus gross so that's one thing we've been tracking where we've kind of settled that the other big thing that we're trying to figure out is what will be the number one movie released in 2022 will it be avatar will it be top gun maverick and when you look at their cumulative daily box office avatar is there in blue top gun maverick is there in red maverick does really seem to be closing that gap little by little the question is will it be able to do it enough and the reason it's been able to close that gap is pretty evident when you look at the daily really <laughs> Grosses Day by day, how much was Avatar making? How much was Top Gun Maverick making? And so I put together a little chart. This is the first one. This charts the daily grosses for both films on release day one through 20. You see the blue circle there is Avatar The Way of Water. The red triangles there are Top Gun Maverick. And when you look at the opening weekend, for example, you see that Avatar had about the same opening as Top Gun Maverick, a little bit of a better day two. But then Top Gun Maverick, because of the way the release schedule worked, Worked out, had a much better day four. It was a holiday weekend. And then five, six, seven, it was pretty close. Really, the difference in how Avatar The Way of Water was able to pull ahead was when you look at release day 10 onward. And that's when we're getting into the real teeth of the holiday season. And you see those blue circles are topping Top Gun Maverick by a significant amount. We're talking $20 million, $10 million per day day by day by day by day for almost a week straight. That's how it built that lead over Top Gun Maverick. But let's look now at the averages for the last 20 release days, or at least the last 20 when I was putting this chart together. Now the degrees have changed. This is basically from one to $9 million, but this shows you how Top Gun Maverick is chipping away at the lead from Avatar The Way of Water. You see release day 40 there. Top Gun Maverick wins it at one day 41, at one day 42, at one day 43. Then The Way of Water makes about a million and a half, $1.75 million more on day 44. But then Top Gun Maverick is just edging out these wins. Day by day, it's grossing just a little bit more than Avatar The Way of Water, and it's chipping away at that lead. I've said for many weeks now that I believe that Top Gun Maverick will keep the 2022 domestic box office crown. And when we look at the 2022 domestic box office, Avatar The Way of Water is on the cusp of breaking $650 million. So it's only about $70 million behind Top Gun Maverick. I still think it's going to be a close number two. I still think that Top Gun Maverick is going to be number one. But Avatar The Way of Water has broken into the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. It knocked out Marvel's The Avengers. It's now number 10. It's looking to dethrone Jurassic World. Titanic is at number eight, but Avatar The Way of Water has been chasing it, and that gulf has been increasing because Titanic just had that re-release, domestic re-release. I still think that it could dethrone it for number eight, maybe try approaching Avengers Infinity War, but then when we get into number six, five, four, et cetera, is Avatar The Way of Water gonna make it to 700 million dollars. I'm not sure. It's going to be close, but I think it's going to settle in around seven or eight when we look at the highest grossing domestic films of all time. When we look at the highest grossing worldwide films of all time, now I haven't checked the grosses today, but Titanic's re-release has sort of kept Avatar the Water at bay for another weekend. I think it briefly passed Titanic for number three all time worldwide, and the Titanic was able to earn just a little bit more money with that re-release. When I was putting this together, Titanic had a lead of about $1 million dollars out of 2.2 billion dollars. But I think Titanic's fate has been sealed when it comes to this chart. I believe it is going to drop down to number four. Uh, that just means that James Cameron still has three of the top four highest grossing movies of all time. They just have slightly changed positions. So really not much of a change in perception for either film there. But we are starting to write the final chapters of the box office story of Avatar The Way of Water. And, and what a journey it's been. And this Top Gun Maverick versus Way of Water uh, battle back in forth is going to be interesting to watch, and we'll see where it ends up. Looking at the 2023 domestic Winter Spring box office, which is basically the movies that have been released this year since January 1st. At number one is Megan, although keep in mind I do not have Tuesday's grosses in here because I prepared all of this as if I was going to be able to do the show on Monday, which I was not able to do. Plane is at number two with $30.7 million. Missing is at number three. 80 for Brady jumps up two spots at number four. Knock at the Cabins at number five. Patan drops two spots to number six. House Party moves up one spot to number seven. Magic Mike's Last Dance dances onto the chart at number eight. BTS Yet to Come in Cinemas drops two spots to number nine. Titanic, 25th anniversary is able to claim the number 10 spot on the box office chart and that drops out Infinity Pool and the chosen season 3 finale. When we look at the 2023 domestic box office as far as calendar gross meaning all tickets sold since January 1st no matter when the movie came out. Avatar The Way of Water is at number 1 with nearly $250 million in tickets sold this year 2023. Puss in Boots The Last Wish has made over $100 million this year. Megan is at number 3 at 90.9 million million as Jason Blum apparently sweats it out watching it at home. A Man Called Otto's at number four with $57.3 million. That's been a really interesting story to just see how it is stuck around and really overcame a low opening. Plane is at number five with $30.7 million. Missing is at number six. 80 for Brady jumps up three spots to number seven. Knock at the Cabin moves up one spot to number eight. Black Panther Wakanda Forever drops two spots to number nine and Patan drops down two spots to number 10. Let's look at the per theater average, so these aren't movies that were all in wide release, but these were the movies that were packing people in. At number one for a second week is Una Vita Difficile. I put a little bit of an Italian flair on that. It's a 4K restoration of an Italian film from the 1960s. At number two is the film I, Mordecai, which stars Judd Hirsch as an old Jewish man who has to learn how to use an iPhone, which I think is probably very relatable for many reasons to a lot of people watching this today. I mentioned Matt Magic Mike's Last Dance, it was only at 1,500 theaters. Look at that per theater average, $5,500 per theater. Easily the best among any wide release by about $3,000 over the Titanic 25th anniversary, which was at $2,700 in 2,464 theaters. So this is kind of puzzling to me because when you have a theater average like this for Magic Mike's Last Dance, that says to me that if you had put it in more theaters, it could potentially have earned more money because there was demand. It just wasn't in a whole lot of theaters. So uh, Warner Media, I continue to not really get what they're doing. As I mentioned, Titanic 25th anniversary at number four and the Oscar-nominated international film Close at number five. The interesting thing is, and this is just one of those weird coincidences, if you look at the posters for Close, Titanic, and Magic Mike's Last Dance in reverse order, it kind of looks like a trilogy of films, like the Before trilogy, about a young kid who eventually becomes an exotic dancer. And really, you could even throw in I, Mordecai, there and take him to old age. Um, These are the weird things that I notice when I'm putting together charts. I I don't know why my brain works the way that it does. It just does. Looking at the film films in limited release so this is 1000 theaters or fewer at number 1 is the horror film Consecration it played in 762 theaters brought in $329,000 Consecration is going to be hitting shutter in early March at number two is Women Talking in 487 theaters and another 300K, riding off of the momentum from its Oscar nominations. The Wandering Earth 2 is at number three, bringing in $266,000 in just over 140 theaters. Oscar nominee Bill Nye is in the number four film in limited release, Living, with $235,000. And at number five, again, is Close, 61 theaters, $150,000 total. Looking at the limited release top 10 grocers for the year since January 1st, Patan remains number one with 15.9 million dollars a man called otto at number two that 6.2 million dollars is its gross before it entered wide release the wandering earth 2 is at number three with 4.5 million dollars followed by the whale at number four with 3.9 million dollars prior to entering wide release women talking though right on the tail of the whale at number five 3.8 million dollars walter Viraya is still an unconfirmed 2.25 million dollars at number six 2023 Sphere is at number seven. Living is at number eight, moving up one spot. Skinner drops two spots to number nine. And Billie Eilish Live at the O2 is at number 10. Let's move now outside the confines of the domestic box office and look at the top five films internationally. And we still see the remnants of the Chinese New Year box office season. The Wandering Earth 2, the highest grossing film internationally, with $25.3 million. Full River Red at number two with $19.1 million. Avatar The Way of Waters at number three with $18.9 million. Followed by the other James Cameron film in the marketplace, Titanic 25th Anniversary at $15.9 million. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish remains a big draw internationally at $12 million. So when you take those international totals, you smash them together with the domestic box office. We get the top five films worldwide for last weekend. And Avatar The Way of Water actually reclaims its crown, barely, with $26.1 million. The Wandering Earth 2 is at number two with $25.6 million. Titanic's at number three with $22.6 million. Full River Red's at number four with $19.1 million. And Magic Mike's Last Dance, when you add in the worldwide and domestic grosses is at number five with 18.7 million dollars the 2023 worldwide box office is basically what we saw last week full river reds at number one with 622.6 million the wandering earth 2 is at number two with 541 million Boonie bears guardian codes at number three with 196.5 million followed by megan which i'm counting as a 2023 worldwide release for my purposes 165.7 million so yeah jason blum what are you worried about hidden blades at Number five with 125.1 million, it will be getting a limited domestic release this upcoming weekend. Deep Sea moves up one spot to number six. Patan drops down one spot to number seven, but it has broken the 100 million dollar barrier worldwide. Cheburashka is at number eight with 89.2 million dollars. Five Hundred Miles is at number nine, and Plane is at number ten. Of course, we should see probably. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania entering somewhere in that 3-4 realm this weekend when it opens worldwide. It's going to be getting a release uh, pretty much in, well, at least in many markets around the world, although not a full worldwide release. So this is the part of the show where I like to take a look at a weekend in box office pass, but also... Pay tribute to some people who left a big mark in the world of movies and television. And a few names I wanted to recognize this week. The first is legendary Spanish director Carlos Saura. He was a contemporary, in many ways, of Luis Buñuel and made many what are considered to be seminal Spanish films, including Carmen, The Hunt, aka La Casa and Crea Cuervos. Carlos Sara made an especially big impression at the Cannes Film Festival, where he was a legendary figure and is widely considered to be one of the most important Spanish directors of all time. Another director who passed away, Hugh Hudson, who directed the Oscar-winning best picture, Chariots of Fire, he was also nominated for directing that film. Hudson also directed Grey Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, which was a retelling of the Tarzan legend, and was also the film debut of one Christopher Lambert, the Highlander himself. And then a legendary figure, not only in movies and television, but music and culture in general. Burt Bacharach died last week. He was a three-time Academy Award winner. He won two Oscars for his work on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for the film Score and the original song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. He won another Academy Award for his work on the film Arthur. And he wrote a nearly innumerable number of hit songs that have been featured in movies and television. They've been covered. Burt Bacharach really is a, a musical legend. He's one of the most prolific talent of the 20th century when you go back and look at just the number of songs that he's written that you know inside and outside of movies but music that you know music that is interwoven through the lives of two or three generations of people it is really hard to overestimate just how much his music made its way into culture itself a lot of people of course recognizing him from his appearances in the Austin Powers films I think when I was a kid that's probably how I first knew who Burt Bacharach was but then when you go back and see what his music was he leaves behind a leg that is nearly unmatched from almost anybody in the realm of music and especially when it ties in to movies and television. So Bert Bacharach, Hugh Hudson, Carlos saura just three names that I wanted to recognize for their contributions to the worlds of movies and film and television. And of course, as always, my thoughts go out to their friends, family and fans. Let's look now at a week from box office past and we're going back to the sixth weekend of the year in 1995, February 10th through the 12th. And that takes us back to the debut of Adam Sandler's Billy Madison, which is a supremely stupid movie, but one that I have seen many, many times over. It really was a, a huge launching pad for his career. Of course, Happy Gilmore and The Wedding Singer and so many other movies were to follow, but this is really the one that started it all for him as a solo comedy film star. It just barely won The weekend with its debut of $6.6 million. At number two is the Sam Raimi-directed Western The Quick and the Dead, starring Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, and Leonardo DiCaprio, who at that time was a recent Oscar nominee for Best Supporting Actor, $6.5 million in second place. In eighth place in its eighth week was Legends of the Fall, very early Brad Pitt film, $4.4 million. Boys on the Side in its second week was at number four, starring Whoopi Goldberg and Drew Barrymore, $4.3 million. And then in its ninth week, Dumb and Dumber sang in the top five with $2.5 million. And it's weird when you look at the people in those films, Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels, Brad Pitt, Leo DiCaprio, Adam Sandler. Who would have thought nearly 30 years later that that lineup is considered to be a list of some of the finest dramatic actors that we have working today? Certainly not me, especially going back to see at Abby Schwan from Billy Madden. Of course, anytime we take a look back, I like to hit the inflation button, and when we look at how that weekend would have stacked up today, Billy Madison would be number one with $12.7 million, The Quick and the Dead at number two with $12.5 million, Legends of the Fall at number three with $8.5 million, Boys on the Side at number four with $8.3 million, and Dumb and Dumber there at number five with $4.8 million. There's a lot more box office to get to, but before we do, I want to thank another one of our sponsors this week, Stamps.com. If you are a small business owner or somebody that just works for themselves, like me then you know that planning is everything because time flies and if you ship anything at all for work or even for leisure it's time to level up your efficiency with Stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office and it's ready to go in minutes so you can get back to work. Postage rates just increased again along with everything else, and luckily, stamps.com has the best discounts in the industry with rates that you literally can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off of USPS and UPS. Plus, stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. All you need to get started on stamps.com is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get started. And if you need a package picked up, then you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. Stamps.com is so easy, it's been indispensable for over 1 million businesses for 25 years. Set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MERL for a special offer that includes a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MERL. Before we wrap up, let's take a look, as always, at the streaming charts to see what people are watching at home through various different streaming services. And we will start with the iTunes Store. At number one is Plane, which is in theaters but also available for purchase and premium video on demand. Hey, Jason Blum, maybe if you want Megan to hit that $100 million domestic market, you should maybe make sure people can't watch it or buy it or rent it at home. It's at number two, so there's obviously some money going to Megan. At number three is the Best Picture nominee, Triangle of Sadness. At number four is Puss in Boots, The Last. Wish, also available for purchase and premium video on demand. Anna Kendrick and Alice Darling stays in the top five at number five. Ticket to Paradise is at number six. The Whitney Houston biopic, I Wanna Dance With Somebody debuts on the chart at number seven, available only for purchase. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, also available only for purchase at number eight. The Menu is on the chart at number nine, available for purchase and rental. And Babylon rounds out the top 10, available for purchase and premium video on demand. We have a double shot of Netflix numbers this week because a new set was published Yesterday, so I can give you two weeks worth of weekly charts and then update that because I figure that we'll probably be pretty busy next week talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Let's look first at the Netflix Top 10 for January 30th through February 5th. You people staying on top with a PFV of 33.47. PFV, for those of you who are new, means potential finished views. It's just a way that I look at how many people might actually be watching these shows. I take the number of hours watched, divide it by the runtime. That gives me the number of users that could potentially have finished viewing the entire movie or series. At number 2 is Viking Wolf with a PFV of 17.2. Viking Wolf is a Norwegian werewolf film and one that apparently several people watched. At number three, speaking of several people watching, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Hits Netflix at number three with a PFV of 13.35, and I'm sure there are some thrilled parents out there that that movie is now on streaming. At number four is the Netflix documentary Pamela, a love story about Pamela Anderson. It generated enough interest to debut at number four with a PFV of 13.08. The Netflix original series The Snow Girl is at number five. "Infiesto" Fiesto is at number six. That is a Spanish detective drama, and it's good enough to make a top 10 debut with a PFE of 7.91. At number seven is Sniper Ghost Shooter, which is not a Netflix original film. It was actually a direct-to-video movie that was released back in 2016, starring Billy Zane and Chad Michael Collins. Why it's in the top ten is anyone's guess, but isn't that just the wonder of Netflix sometimes? Lockwood & Company Season 1 makes the top ten in its first full week on Netflix with a PFV of 6.86. Physical 100 Season 1 stays at number nine, and the Netflix original movie True Spirit debuts at number ten. Then when we look at the top 10 for February 6th through February 12th, so just a few short days ago, the Ashton Kutcher, Reese Witherspoon, Awkward Rom-Com, Your Place or Mine, generated a lot of interest a pfv of 27.69 and 51.2 million hours watched in its opening weekend enough for it to edge out you season four for number one on this chart you had over 92 million hours watched and a pfv of 23.55 viking wolf is there at number three true spirit at number four you people drops to number five *Infiesto* stays at number six bloodshot one of the last movies to be released before theaters closed back in 2020 i guess some people are catching up on netflix 14 14- 16.3 million hours watch for a PFE of 7.94. Manion's The Rise of Gru stays on the chart at number 8. Physical 100 Season 1 stays at number 9. And then Lyle Lyle Crocodile also making its debut on streaming. 9.1 million hours for a PFE of 5.18. When we look at the most watched programs released in 2022 on netflix we had one change which is that troll has moved up the list it is now the seventh most watched netflix program of 2022 with a pfe of 117.72 Dahmer monster drops down to number eight and hustle drops down to number nine so just a brief revision on the 2022 most watched chart but when we look at the most watched programs for 2023 on netflix now this is since january 1st regardless of when these were first released we have some big changes first of all you people is up to a pfv cumulatively of 72.28. So 72.28 million potential finished views. That bumps Ginny and Georgia season two down to number two with a PFE of 58.64. The Pale Blue Eye drops down to number three with a PFE of 46.66. Wednesday season one, despite being out for months now, with a PFE of 41.59. Glass Onion drops down one spot to number five with a PFE of 39.97. Kaleidoscope drops down one spot to number six. Viking Wolf makes its debut on the chart with a cumulative PFE of 30.37. That drops Dog Gone, the movie about a dog that's gone, to number eight. With a PFE of 28.85. Narvik is at number nine with a PFE of 27.87. And then, based just off of its debut weekend, Your Place or Mine makes the Netflix top 10 for 2023 with a PFE of 27.69. The Glory Season 1 and Jung E both dropping out of the 2023 charts. And then, one final update when it comes to Netflix the most watched Netflix programs since 2021, when they started providing this data, Troll moves into the overall Netflix. Netflix top 10 it bumps out the sandra bullock film the unforgivable with a pfe of 117.72 everything else stays the same although look at squid game season one and wednesday season one that gap's still continuing to close wednesday with a pfe of 258.08 squid game season one with a pfe of 279.21 so wednesday's still making a play to become that most watched netflix program of the last couple years Let's look now at the Nielsen numbers. As always, I have many caveats for this. This is about a month's delay, so these numbers are about a month old. They don't cover all streaming services, and they don't cover all streaming devices, so this does not count every view for all of these different movies and shows, but it gives us a good idea of how they're all stacking up against each other. And when we look at the most-watched streaming movies for January 9th through the 15th, the hatchet-wielding Hitchhiker, these are numbers for the U.S. only, debuted at number one with $10.7 million dollars the pale blue eyes at number two glass onion is at number three all of those are netflix films jurassic world dominion on amazon is at number four dog gone making its debut on this month delayed chart at number five again a reminder dog gone the netflix original film about a dog that is gone The Menu's at number six on HBO Max. Encanto making its debut on Disney Plus. It is the standby film when it comes to the streaming chart. If there's no other big title, you're going to see Encanto on this list. Strange World at number eight on Disney Plus. Trolls with an S on Netflix at number nine. And Matilda the Musical on Netflix at number 10. We look at the most watched streaming shows for January 9th through the 15th. "Jenny and George is at number one with 45.5 million hours watched. The Walking Dead on Netflix at number two, 23.8 million hours watched. They uploaded that newest season, so a lot of people catching up vikings valhalla at number three the second season was released uh, on the week that this measures so this is the cumulative number for both seasons one and two just over 17 million hours watched. coco melon of course remaining a fixture in the top five at number four with 15.3 million hours watched wednesday staying in the top five at number five with 13.5 million hours watched ncis on netflix is at number six new amsterdam hitting the charts at number seven it's available on both netflix and peacock so that cumulative number 11.2 million million hours watched kaleidoscopes at number eight on netflix friends on hbo max a perennial favorite on this chart back on at number nine and bluey on disney plus is at number 10 and this is a look at the Nielsen Top 20 when we rank them by hours watched per available episode. So how many hours did each individual episode garner on average for these shows? Ginny and George is at number one, 20 episodes with an hours watched per episode of 2.28 million. Wednesday, still a strong number two, eight episodes with 1.69 million hours watched per episode. Made off The Monster of Wall Street, it's limited run, helping it on this chart, four episodes for 1.5 million hours watched per episode. Episode. Kaleidoscopes at number four, Vikings Valhalla is at number five, Pressure Cooker on Netflix is at number six, Coco Melon at number seven, The Recruit at number eight, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan at number nine, and then with 187,778 hours watched per episode, Emily in Paris, rounding out the top ten. And that does it for a somewhat delayed but still very busy charts with Dan for this week. When we look at the week coming up, there are a few movies that are actually hitting theaters today. We have the detective story Marlowe, starring. Liam Neeson, directed by Neil Jordan, co-written by William Monaghan, Liam Neeson, Diane Kruger. So there's some real talent attached to this movie. Uh, no really good reviews attached to it, from what I've seen, but it's in theaters today. Also, the one-night-only Fathom event, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, will be happening tonight. This is the horror film that was made after the Winnie the Pooh characters fell into the public domain. So as long as they didn't make them look like the Disney versions, people could do whatever they wanted with Winnie the Pooh, and someone decided to make a slasher film. I think there's a very high probability that this movie is not very good, but Curiosity has gotten the best of me, so I will be checking that out. On Thursday, tomorrow on Paramount+, Plus. is the debut of Star Trek Picard Season 3. The most watched video I've ever done on this channel was a breakdown of just how horrible Horrible, I thought Picard season two was and the embargo for this season dropped last week, at least for the first six episodes. I'm prepping something bigger on this third season uh, based on what I've seen so far, but I-, I can say I don't know how big of a believer you are in miracles, but what I've seen as far as the turnaround in the show has been borderline miraculous. And Not only is it tolerable for me, I'm actually quite enjoying Picard season three so far it's in many ways what I thought the other seasons absolutely were not so I think there's going to be kind of a longer form thing that I want to do with Star Trek Picard because there's so much that I want to get into and there's so much in this show that is just complete you know fan service I think in a good way as far as like actually starting to give people what they want out of this show and not in a cynical way Uh, there's so much that I want to talk about but add me to the buzz on the street with Picard season three debuting tomorrow this in many ways to me is a complete turnaround from the last season so you can see that first episode i believe Uh, debuting tomorrow, I I think it's just the first episode. Then this weekend there's only one new wide release, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania it will be the big movie everywhere a few films available in limited release as always there's a 4K re-release of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that'll be playing in a few theaters. Also a film called Emily, which is about Emily Bronte and the development of Weathering Heights, will be hitting limited release Hidden Blade, which is the Chinese film starring Tony Leung that we've talked about uh, for the past few weeks, will be getting a limited release this weekend. And then over on Amazon Prime Video, the second and final season of Carnival Row will also be debuting this weekend. And that's all I've got for you, at least as far as charts go. I have my non-spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania out now. I will have a spoiler review out for the movie this weekend once it actually hits theaters and people get a chance to see it. And of course, I'll be tracking the box office. I'm tracking the Academy Awards and all other stuff in the world of entertainment, news, reviews, you name it. Thank you to Carbon Health for being my partner. Thank you to my sponsors this week, Stamps.com and Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. And of course, as always, thank you for spending part of your day here with me. I'll be back very soon. Until then, stay safe and I'll see you next time. Bye.